Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey there, horn dogs, poon hounds, and cuddle bunnies. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, 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 everyone. How you doing? Welcome to the show. If you're new, welcome back. If you're not, I am your host, comedian Billy Presida. Everyone, you have a good week? Was it fun? Did you have a good time? Did you wrap it up? I hope you did. Me, I, I had quite the love affair with carbs. And with a little man named Kennedy, make some good fried chicken. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, welcome to all the listeners who are checking me out after hearing me on Tina Whore's Why Are People Into That podcast. Welcome. I've been hearing from a lot of you. I've gotten a lot of tweets from people who found me there and now want to come discover me here. So welcome. I hope you enjoy. This is definitely one of the tamer of the Man Whore podcast episodes, but don't worry, there's plenty of like orgies and butt stuff uh, in the future. And if you haven't heard me on Why Are People Into That, again, go check it out and check out the whole show. If you love Tina Horn's episode of the Man Whore podcast, you're going to love her podcast. I'm a bit, I listen to it myself, and I only listen to like four or five podcasts, so I'm very picky, and she passed the test. You should check that out. So if you are new to the show, let me let me orient you to this next section. It's a favorite of mine in the intros. It's the impersonal Patreon. Thank you. Roll call. Yes. Yes. This is the part of the show where I like to thank everyone who donates to the Man Horror Podcast on Patreon. So right now, I want to say thank you so very much to Christina D and Andrew R and Megs N, Sarah B, Alex S, Toby T, Chris W, Lauren M, Gregory Y from the Bowery Boys Podcast, Sean B, Anna Super Slut, Prickly Peach, Megan N, Nelly H, Jazz O, Julian H, Sean N, Mary G, Jeff C, Jennifer C, Alfredo A, Mark G, Emily S, Mike G, and Max T, Anthony C, and still more names to go, Chris with a K, Ed B, Tina Horn, Jeffrey J, Lawrence B, Dervla, Ramon F, Justin C, S B, Sarah S, Lauren A, Madeline B, Dave K, and Lance's Ugly Goatee. Thank you all so very much for supporting the show, and you too can make sex-positive conversations happen by pledging your support on Patreon. You can contribute as little as a dollar per month, and you can cancel at any time. To do so, go to manwhorepod.com, click the Patreon banner on the side, or you can download the nifty new Patreon app, and you can find me on there. This week's guest is David Thorpe. David Thorpe is the filmmaker... Behind the documentary, Do I Sound Gay? Featuring, uh, you know, my idol, uh, Dan Savage. He's on there. <laughs> Do I Sound Gay? I saw a trailer for this movie last year. Was like, I gotta see that. And then I missed it in theaters. The movie is on Netflix and other places on the internet. So I think that's great. And I loved the doc. So I hit up David, asked if he would come on to the show. Uh, because do I sound gay? Well, I'm told quite often, <laughs> like I was uh, on the Social Villains podcast, that I sound very gay. But for me, it's not because of what my voice sounds like. It's because of the, the words and topics that come out of my face. But David 
want to explore linguistically, like what makes a voice sound so stereotypically gay and what are the consequences of that? What does that do to a, a gay man who sounds very effeminate or has a lisp and is kind of automatically outed just by speaking? Found it very fascinating. It was great. And it covers a lot of awesome topics. You know, I mean, not awesome because they're happy, but awesome because they're important to talk about. We talk about bullying and homophobia. We talk about masculinity versus femininity and, and gay men who don't want to date femme dudes. And we talk about gender and just voices. It's really cool stuff. I think it's a fun episode. And it's a great documentary you should all check out if you have Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, I know you have a friend with Netflix. Next time you Netflix and chill, save the, the you know, the wink, wink, chilling until after the documentary is over. Or maybe before. I don't know. It depends how you're, you'll feel at the end. I don't know if you're going to feel horny at the end. So maybe fuck first and then maybe chill in Netflix. Yeah, this, that, this is a good documentary to chill in Netflix. You should do your fake chilling and learn something new. And to all my queer listeners who are like, Billy, can you give us some more gay stuff? I'm like, you know what? I'm trying. And here, here's an example of it. Sorry, I have not hooked up with any gay men myself. <laughs> but I, uh, I am trying to seek out more guests like David, who was phenomenal. More guests like Big Dipper, the, the gay rapper we had on last year. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Very cool stuff. So uh, let's go check out and listen to David Thorpe and myself ponder the question, do we sound gay? Are you ready for the Unleashed Tour, where shamelessness, sexiness, and laughter collide in a hilarious orgy of fun, discovery, and sex edutainment? Embark on a captivating nationwide journey with the Shameless Sex Podcast and an electrifying ensemble of sex educators and sex-positive entertainers as they bring you an unforgettably titillating live experience. Be a part of mesmerizing, entertaining, boundary-pushing acts, Shameless Sex Style. Ever heard of the Slurpee Stick Shift? Want to learn how to bury your face in her? How about some Dirty Talk Improv or Brat Taming 101? Hmm. Get ready for nonstop laughter as our charismatic hosts and entertainers weave humor into the fabric of this liberating celebration of sexual diversity and freedom. Engage in interactive segments, Q&A sessions, and a chance to connect with like-minded individuals in an inclusive and empowering environment. Listen up, Portland, Chicago, Seattle, we're coming to you. For more information and to get your tickets right now, go to shamelesssex.com and be part of a night that will be fun, educational, sexy, hilarious, and shamelessly unforgettable. Seats are filling up fast, so don't miss out on the most unforgettable show of the year. I don't know. Somehow you're number 99 and somehow it, I don't know how this shit works. Yeah. But it seems to go out. This thing is sounds really simple. Well. Yeah. 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 It's That's great. It's great for a tech dummy like me yeah. um, because I. And me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so wait, was this, this, this your was first, first film? Yeah. Yeah. And so was that kind of you weren't like holding the camera a lot, were you or. Uh, yes and no. Like, you know, there are a lot of video diaries in the in the movie so like me at home practicing my voice exercises or um just being you know 
sad or happy or whatever. And so that was me like putting the camera on a tripod. Mm. Um, But I also had like actual people who knew what they were doing, you know, for like when I interviewed Dan Savage or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, 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 we've got David Thorpe here on the Man Whore podcast. David Thorpe, the filmmaker uh, behind Do I Sound Gay? Uh, Great documentary. I've now watched twice myself. And uh, thanks for coming out. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks Thanks for having me. uh, You're sounding very much... Like the beginning of your documentary, oh, did you yeah. not? <laughs> <laughs> um, you mean my voice is still the same? Right. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I uh, don't want to give away everything, but, uh, you know, come see why my voice is yeah. <laughs> still the same. Yeah. So so you made this documentary about just, uh, it was kind of post-breakup, right? And yeah. Then about why do you sound as a gay man? Uh, spoiler alert, you're, you're a gay fella. And and why do you sound the way you sound? And why do so many gay men stereotypically sound that way as well? And then you go into kind of all the different avenues and angles of that question. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I you know, as a gay person myself, I was like, huh, I speak a certain way, it seems. And a lot of men I know also speak mm-hmm. that way. So I, on a just purely kind of, you know, curious level wanted to know more about myself you know um uh but also of course like i had anxiety about sounding gay and uh i wanted to find out why and i wanted to deal with it whether it was to sound less gay or to embrace who i was and you know figuring out um my relationship to my voice and sounding gay is kind of what the film's about but it's more fun than that yeah, it's it's a funny movie as well. As oh, there's a, a lot of great parts. There's a lot of great yeah. parts in it. One where you're doing your exercises of like trying to like quote unquote sound more straight, but you're reading like about like some Tony Award winning actress. Like she won four Tonys. She won four Tonys, and I'm like, you're uh, if for someone who's like trying to not sound gay, you're reading like possibly like the gayest thing you could read. Like I was like, where's the sports <laughs> section would be? <laughs> yeah, that always gets a big a big laugh. He's I was like, I was reading about Audrey McDonald. <laughs> Um, and I think she's actually won more Tonys since that, since I was so shocked that she had won four. But yeah, yeah I mean, that's a funny moment. It does go to show you that content uh, plays a big role in, you know, if we're talking about Lady Gaga um, and fashion and makeup, you might be more inclined to think, whoa, he sounds gay versus if we were talking about football mm. or, um, you know, I don't know, Westerns or something. So there's a lot of factors that go into play that, make people have these judgments about other people yeah uh i found yeah there's a lot there's a lighthearted moments there's a lot of 14 minutes in the movie i'm already you're pulling out my heartstrings because you thought you bring up the the bullying aspect Mm -hmm. to it all and uh good yeah i wanted to um get people off balance um early because you know i think there were a lot of people who were like a whole movie about a gay voice like what what could that be um and i i wanted to show pretty early on that you know, it's um, there are a lot of layers behind uh, what a gay voice could mean, um, and show how in the culture it's kind of stereotyped and made fun of, um, and how that has a real world effect on people, and how it's actually kind of a manifestation or illustration of homophobia, um, the way we think about what is stereotypically gay sounding. Right. Um, and it was a stereotype. Stereotypes are taboo, and it was a stereotype that nobody has really talked about openly. Mm. No one's shocked when they hear that gay kids get bullied, but it's just another when you get when you're seeing that footage, it just brings up a whole different. It just reminds you there's no denying that. And for me, you know, when I emailed you, I said that hit real home for me because I grew up 
really heavily bullied. I've been beat up. Like I've been hit and called a faggot before. And I'm not even gay. And so I was like, I didn't even like earn this. This is weird. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's you're many like, things you, to make fun of me for, but you're right. not even. You're like, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> you, got the, yeah. you got the wrong guy. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have heard from, you know, it's not just gay kids who get bullied. I mean, really, yeah. it's more kids who are effeminate. And it doesn't matter. If, I mean, you know, they don't even know what they are at 11, 12. But, um, uh, yeah, it's more about gender policing or it's as much about gender policing as it is about homophobia. And, you know, it's, there, there are actually lots of, um, uh, you know, in the news, people will get like, there'll be a hate crime. And, you know, it's not so infrequent that the person isn't even gay or, you know, that like someone will, will attack a Sikh for being Muslim or something. You know, mm. it's like, uh, people, kind of don't even understand the nature of their prejudice to begin with they just see something different and they're like that seems scary to me i should put that down yeah, yeah. exactly and, and where so you grew up whereabouts again i grew up in columbia south carolina mm-hmm. um yeah so, not 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 the the kindest of states <laughs> you know it's true south carolina has remained pretty steadfastly conservative um in the 80s it was you know i think far more conservative by today's standards so there was a lot more um, I think there was maybe a fair amount of open racism when I was growing up. Mm. And, um, I mean, gay people just didn't exist. You know, we were sort of blotted out of, except as sinners. Um, so yeah, it was a rough place to grow up for me inside my head, mm. knowing who I was. Um, but you know, they, they took the flag down. They took the Confederate flag down. So start on really unexpected. They have a, you know, um, Nikki Haley, the governor there, is um, South Asian. So, you know, you can always point to some uh, some good stuff down there. But at the same time, then you get someone like Ted Cruz, who's, you know, he's Hispanic and, and he's still somehow really racist. Like, yeah, he's, <laughs> so, he's uh, is he the one who's Cuban? Like he was born in Canada. He's right? born in Canada. Right. He's Cuban and he he's, pretends to be a white racist. <laughs> like he's doing a pretty great job of it. Very good yeah. job. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the South South is a complicated place yeah. and a lot of a lot of characters come out of there did you get bullied uh as a kid as well i did i got i got bullied you know in around 10 11 i think kids started to see that i was not like typically like a boy mm. um and i started to get called a faggot and um you know it was at that age when i was like okay i better clean up my act and did you know that about yourself though at that at that I, age no not really i just knew that like i was you know, I was started to pick up on how boy I was supposed to act more like a boy mm. and more like a typical boy. Um, and I saw who was kind of at the, you know, top of the heap in social, you know, the social pecking order and who was at the bottom. And definitely like in where I grew up, it was like the black kids and the effeminate kids and the minorities were at the bottom. And mm. if you were like a black gay guy, you know, then you were like really, really at the bottom. I mean, this is, middle school so yeah. you know this is where all the worst kind of uh stereotypes kind of that's when a kid is at their most honest they can see like the thi- the one thing that you don't like about you they're like if you have a le- an indent on your left cheekbone you're like you're a weird <laughs> fucking left cheekbone yeah. indent yeah <laughs> like that's the one thing yeah they're like nazis they're little police you know uh looking out for any little inf- you know infraction mm. um and so uh so i did change my behavior you know and i did make sure to act more, I think, typically masculine. I think maybe a bit more like my brother. Um, a lot of people 
used to confuse us on the phone. Yeah. Like we sounded so much alike and he's straight. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's how I dealt with it. I mean, some people, you know, some very brave or, you know, a lot, you know, some people were effeminate, you know, we all knew kids who were effeminate in school all the way through school. And, um, those kids inevitably put up with a lot of shit. Um, and you know, it's just people respond to that kind of bullying and pressure in all different ways. And so mine was to hide and pretend and change. Um, and certainly every kid gay or straight or black or white or whatever faces these kind of pressures to fit in. Um, but, uh, then, you know, after I came out, uh, in a blaze of glory, finally. You, you come, did you come well, out in a blaze of glory? I mean, apparently, your- you know, when you look back at pictures of me, and some of them are in the movie, I had this like huge, like, uh, head of like long blonde hair, mm-hmm. like a big red, like a cranberry jacket on. And like, when I see those pictures, I'm like, oh, right. Like, I wanted to be seen as, uh, as queer, as an outsider. And apparently, my voice changed too. And I, sort of started using the voice that I have more now, which some people think sounds gay or sophisticated yeah. or whatever. High class. High class. I was the other I get one. Educated, <laughs> academic. Yeah. When you showed the old movie clips, I was like, wow, that was a thing. Uh, yeah. Like the little, the yes. little, bo- the little rich kid boy. Yeah. So there's a whole stereotype, um, going back to the twenties of, um, sort of effeminate, uh, elite, like aristocratic, educated men. And that stereotype, uh, you know, is a great foil for like a real down to earth masculine cowboy guy to prove he's a man. And that's something that, you know, has been part of a, a kind of American identity for forever. Yeah. I, just, I, I finished reading this book called Not Gay by Jane Ward about, uh, about like sex between straight white dudes. And, and I, and she says that back then, like in the 20s, it was less about gay and straight. It was just about like effeminate and masculine. Huh. Like they, they almost didn't even, like dudes, like a uh, what do they call them the motorcycle guys the hell's angels like those guys would sometimes get a blowjob from a guy no one ever thought like oh that's a homosexual they were like oh that's just that's a dude he's a big manly man right i mean in a weird way like gay people didn't exist you know um at all uh in that i mean i don't know exactly right. what she was talking about but you know the whole identity of gay did not actually exist until like the late 19th century like yeah. it was you were deviant um or you know, there was something wrong with you, but it wasn't an actual mm. like identity that somebody could inhabit. And, um, it was in the late 19th century that, you know, people started saying like, Hey, wait a minute, I'm made this way. And, you know, science started, um, kind of doing research and finding like, yeah, Hey, these are, there's nothing fucked up about these people. Um, that's just how they are. Uh, so, but I, I don't know. What do you think of the the bro job? Does the bro job exist? The bro job. <laughs> I've seen those. So when I found out about the book, the first thought was, I've seen that Craigslist ad. Like, I've seen it. You really? Know? Like, okay. Oh, they're there. Yeah. They're out there. Wow. So many like, yeah. oh, let's, I just want to jack off, bro. Like, oh, nothing gay. I just want to jerk off in the same room. Wow. Staring at each other. Yeah. But even when I read that, I'm like, that's, that sounds pretty gay to me. Right. Like, again, <laughs> you're really approaching the line. I mean, that's that's putting some effort into getting a bro job. Yeah. I, mean, I would think a bro job would mean just being more like a, everyone got drunk. and Yeah. Like I a don't big know. old circle jerk. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> I'm, I'm told happens from time to time. I don't know if it still happens. but uh, You know, well, her point, one of her points was about like getting away from some of the identity stuff. And yeah. so if two dudes gave each other bro jobs in the way that she describes, 
that they should still be able to retain their heterosexual identity. Uh-huh. Like, uh, it should, be, but it should be less about like the identity. Just like yeah. do your thing, like do whatever. Right. It doesn't right. matter. Yeah, I mean, we have. It's cliche, but these categories are pretty stupid at I this mean, point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially when gender's starting to become all sorts of confusing. Yeah. It's like now, does it even matter? Like, yeah. that's can we just go back to what parts do you have? That's what yeah, I'm looking for. Totally. I mean. Uh, or in, you know, what parts do you have tonight that I'm looking for? Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I think it's cool that some, some of the young people on the front lines of the kind of gender, uh, progress are like, why do we even need gender? Yeah. Like what's, what purpose does it serve? And I, you know, I, I tend to agree with that, but that's kind of a utopia. Um, and it's easy for us in our like urban bubbles in to Brooklyn. imagine, <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit more than sort of. Uh, to break down the way like the entire world looks at men and women yeah you know? but i mean i don't know i don't know maybe there are places anyway it's a complicated place where lots of you know different approaches yeah i mean it's i like how you were like what what parts am i into tonight it's like i don't know i'm in the mood for some chinese or maybe some dick i don't know i haven't yeah, decided i mean <laughs> i'm gonna see it, how i'm feeling in a few hours it would be cool if people could people could be so open to like the moment and the experience and you know it's like maybe one day like you meet some guy and you just he really charms you like he's fantastic and you just want to be close to him yeah it's like maybe i meet a ryan reynolds uh in my life i don't know (laughs) yeah exactly see we're already we already have like a a type so um anyway you know it's it's like maybe i we have some incredible chemistry with a woman sometime you know it's just um it's it would be nice to think that like all those doors could stay open but the fact is like for most people (laughs) they don't even have those doors are not around well you don't it's almost you don't want to even see the door at least right i've had moments in my life uh and i'm just 26 so everything tomorrow could change entirely for me i don't right but you know sometimes i i would think oh what if that happened then not it it was less about being uh queer or maybe i'm bisexual it was more like oh my lifestyle now like would change like you're worried about like oh i gotta buy a flag Uh (laughs) i have thought about like if i were straight like what kind of great guy would I have been you know like how yeah. would I, I've thought about that I mean, that's sort of what you're getting at a yeah, little bit and a little bit maybe I don't know yeah but uh what was I something just oh I mean I think age has something to do with it like I think when you're 19 you're just so horny that you like why wouldn't you try lots of different things I mean potentially yeah. whereas like I'm 46 now and it's like I don't, you know, it's like just not as urgent and all, it's like my entire life is not revolved around getting laid the way it used to. So. Oh my God, this sex drive thing dies down eventually. Thank God. I, well, it's it is mixed, quite tiring. <laughs> it's a mixed blessing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously some people stay horny old goats, uh, but I think, I think for most people, yeah. And it's kind of funny because you're like, wait, what is life about then? <laughs> you know, because like it used to just be like, it was getting laid, getting a partner, all that stuff that was like number one or always a competing number one. And uh, as I mean, I, you know, for me, and I think a lot of people I know, it is true that like sex does not, it's not necessarily why you get up in the morning. Mm. I know there are plenty of people who uh, still are quite horny. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, something to look forward to. (laughs) Uh, Did you ever feel the fuzzies for a woman at some point? I, I have had a couple weird, actually like the first, uh, like when I was like first going through puberty, I would like hold hands with girls and get turned on and I would look mm. at like straight porn and get turned on. Um, so I had like a 
I don't know, six weeks, six months. Six window. weeks. Yeah, I'm like, six weeks. I just tried it and out. And I was like, this is really <laughs> exciting. Um, and then I don't, for me, like it was like puberty came and went, you know, like, like all this stuff would happen and you'd have all these like dreams and daydreams and hard ons. And then like, maybe it would go away for a while and it would sort of go and come back until it stayed. Does yeah. that, was that your experience or were you just like, boom? Well, I just got bullied so much that women were never really part of my puberty. Uh-huh. <laughs> like porn and fantasizing about teachers was my puberty. Okay. Because women, my own, oh, girls, why, why am I saying women at 12? Well, Girl, yeah. <laughs> girls my age just were so not an option. Uh-huh. Right. I was just like, I'm not even going to bother fantasizing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyway. I'm babbling. About it's all right. Babbling's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was something that the in the beginning of the movie, like that awe moment, you know, is obviously you went through a breakup and then you're like, maybe it's my voice. Does that have to do with it? And and you're going like, oh, no. <laughs> well, that's because you're a sympathetic viewer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's that thing like when you get dumped or when you dump, you know, when you break up with someone and it was difficult you um you like you're like what's wrong with me and you look for all those things um and you didn't go once to like the hair thing you were like no the bald is good on me well (laughs) yeah i mean i knew that he was into bald guys like i knew that wasn't it you know um and it wasn't so much that he i mean believe it or not he well i i think the real point is like was more like what's wrong with me globally it wasn't Mm -hmm. like why did he why did it end with him? But like, why am I still single and I'm in my forties now? Like I felt like I'm, I would never find love. And so it was kind of like this real bottom of like, I don't have anything that anybody really seems to want. Um, which is not like, that's just how you feel after a breakup. Sure. But you know, the thing that I grew up feeling bad about was being gay, like Mm -hmm. that it was wrong. And so all the signs of it were wrong too. So, you know, uh, liking the wrong music or sounding the wrong way, um, or having your hair the wrong way, you know, anything that was a sign of being gay was bad too. And so I think part of the point of the film is like that, that shame that you feel early on. Um, it's not like, you know, I think for some people, some people are lucky. It does really, it just kind of goes away and they don't experience it again. Mm -hmm. But I think for most gay men, and I think for most people, the shame that you had as a young person um, is always with you. And, and it, sometimes it can come back stronger than mm. at other times. So when we you know when I'm happy and confident and I'm successful in my work and I've got a boyfriend, it's like, I love being gay. It's yeah. great. Like what's wrong with being gay? But it's like, <laughs> Oh, I'm unemployed and I don't have anyone and I'm lonely. And like, this is because I'm gay. This is like, this is my gay my punishment or like, you know, if I weren't gay, this, and that's kind of how things were when I was growing up. There wasn't, a, there wasn't this constant cultural affirmation of being gay. There wasn't any personal affirmation. So, but we all have, you know, the movie does talk about how, um, you know, I talked to Margaret Cho, I talked to Don Lemon and they have yeah, big names in this, in this, uh, doc. Yeah. Dan Savage is in it. And David uh, Sedaris, yeah. Tim Gunn. Yeah. Um, but I think anyone can watch the doc and be like, I, you know, we all have things about ourselves that we were sort of made to feel insecure about that, that we shouldn't have been. That was just part of who we were. Like you were an mm-hmm. overweight kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you were, you know, that's something that still is part of your, you know, I think in your mind, three and a half years on weight watchers every day. Yeah. It's well, in my there head. you go. Yeah. It's very much <laughs> in your head. And you know, um, 
you know, I have women of, you know, I have like black women who stand up and say like, yeah, this, I feel this too. It's like, am I, you know, or black? Like I remember this, uh, she's was black and a lesbian and she's like, you know, I've got all these identities and I'm always kind of code switching across them. And sometimes I'm more black and sometimes I'm more, you know, white acting and sometimes I'm dykier and sometimes I'm not. And almost nobody fits the perfect archetype of their identity categories. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, almost nobody is like always yeah. the, the, you know, unimpeachable straight white guy. I'm a very bad straight guy. I've been told many times. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, so you feel this pressure too. You know, if you're hanging out with a bunch of guys watching the Super Bowl, you're not going to bring up how like you are obsessed with the cast album for Hamilton, you know, like there's there, which I hear I'm supposed to be obsessed about. (laughs) I'm holding out because I have faith. I'm going to get to the go one day, but (laughs) right, right. Well, you, you know, I sing, but I know the words to like songs and wicked and I know how to knit. And apparently that, uh, Oh, and like I do this weird thing. I respect women from time to time, and they just find it so strange. Yeah. They're like, "Yeah, yeah." No, I mean that's you're gay. You're clearly gay. I've I've been told uh, I'm a very gay straight yeah. man, <laughs> but that's just these. You know, it's like we joke about it, but in fact, these categories really do straight us. They really do put pressure on us, and we all deal with it. We all find ways to deal with it, but there are times when, like, I think it's good to know we're all dealing with yeah. it, and that it's okay to be who you are ultimately. Mm. You uh, you brought up code switching again, and and you that comes up in the doc. So can you explain what code switching is? Is that kind of being like a chameleon? Yeah, uh, that's that's one way of putting it. I mean, it's essentially um, changing the way you talk depending on who you're talking to. So um, like we tend to know about it in terms of like identity categories. Mm-hmm. Like um, when Oprah, you know, Oprah people famously make fun of her because sometimes she sounds super black, and like I don't know, maybe if she has like. I don't know, Aretha Franklin on, she'll be getting real black. Yeah, you know? when she's giving away a car. <laughs> yeah, um, but then maybe she might have, uh, I don't know, Hillary Clinton on and sound more white. I'm I'm not, I don't know Oprah well enough, but that's sure. something people, and people make fun of, or they, they pointed out Obama does it too, that mm-hmm. if he's talking to like a black congregation, he probably sounds uh, a little more African-American than if he is, you know, talking to an all-white audience. Right. But um, but code switching happens on in all different categories. So like when adults talk to kids, um, you know, like, oh, Amy, what a cute dress. They they get really high and they talk slow. And so that's a kind of code switching as a parent to or an adult to a child. And so we're all constantly changing the way we talk, uh, depending on who we're talking to and where we are. And some people have no problem with it. It's just like, yeah, it's like I, you know, just change it up. But some people, you know feel like a little anxiety about it. Cause it's like, who am I, you know, am I selling out? Am I pretending to be a certain way? So I'll fit in. Mm. Um, and, but it's actually like a really, it's just like incredibly common kind of linguistic phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and a really natural adaptation. And, and, and it's almost part of that, you know, then you brought up the, was micro variations. Right. When you talk to the one linguist who, who's showing you on the computer screen. Yeah. Like why your voice was different than like some other dude's voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> just for the like the tiniest little thing. Yeah. So, I mean, language is crazy complicated. Uh, you know, we just grow up and we just speak, speak it. We yeah. don't think about it. But um, yeah, like one of the things I talk about in the movie that was I just didn't know was that like on a micro level, on average, men and women speak differently. Um, And so it's not just that men have generally lower voices and women have generally higher voices, but the actual sounds that 
men and women sort of on average make are slightly different. And um, so, for example, women tend to have a higher pitched, more elongated S mm-hmm. sound, which is also, you know, strongly kind of stereotypical gay. Um, oh, you know, Billy Presida, <laughs> you know, that S is like a hallmark of kind of a gay stereotypically gay, gay stereotype voice. So it's more feminine. So, um, and that you might code switch on that micro level, or I might code switch on that micro level. Um, you know, when my, my brother is like, yeah, you don't really sound gay unless you're like hanging out with your gay friends and then you sound gay. And that's some code switching and that's some, you know, micro very varying and, um, so yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. So so you're still single now, uh, but feeling better. It seems you <laughs> yeah. seem in good spirits and yes. whatnot. Yeah. So you're dating. Is that how's that how's that going? I mean, I'm not a fan of dating. Um, Is anyone? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and you know, it's like it's one of those things. Like every once in a while, you meet someone who really floats your boat, and mm-hmm. mostly you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I don't feel kind of unlovable the way that I felt um I you know at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. or I don't think that it's about my being gay or sounding gay that you know maybe like I'm single you know mm-hmm. and I, I feel actually better about being single there's nothing wrong with being single and um so I just don't see it in quite those kind of like I think shameful terms as much yeah well, because one of the other things I connected with, uh, again, early on in, in the movie is the reason I started this podcast is because I was single and I couldn't, like women would hook up with me, but they wouldn't date me. And I wanted to find out why. So like, I was like, well, let's f- figure this out. And like, you know, I've been becoming more okay with the singleness and not being obsessed with like, oh, I don't want to die alone. Um, <laughs> you know, um, what have you found out any answers to your quest? Well, one of them was that I had bad timing. Okay. And I think the other is that I just tend to be, because I am so open about sexuality. All right. So a lot of women have told me that I'm almost like a good trainer dick, like for casual sex. So uh-huh. they're coming out of a long-term relationship and they want to get in the casual sex, but they're not ready to just go like slut it up around New York. Like I'm good because I like to hold hands and I'm romantic and I'm yeah. adorable. Yeah. But they like ah, but he sleeps with women, so like it, I don't have to commit to him. So I they can mm-hmm. get all the affection and mm-hmm. like the casualness, and then move on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. towards other things. That was the other thing. So you kind of need to find someone who's on your wavelength about sex. Yeah, working on it. And she might not want to be monogamous, right? I mean, yeah, you, that's the other. Given the you other, don't sound like the monogamous type. I'm not like 100% monogamous, yeah. no. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also not one of those poly people who goes got to poly it. events and talks about being poly, who's right. just like, I got a girlfriend, let me go get another one. You know? Got uh, it, got so it. Well, like, yeah. Listen, you're 26. That, that's, that's what I've been getting told. Yeah. And I think several months into doing the podcast was, I had um, older men tell me like, dude, I'm going to pull rank on you. Just chill. You know, (laughs) I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's true. I mean, I know it's hard. It's like when I was your age, I never liked to be told, you know, how the world was. No one wants to get told it gets better. Well, yeah. Or that I don't, I, I just thought I knew everything. I think when I was your age and you, it's great to have strong opinions and beliefs and believe, believe in yourself. But, um, you do the way you see the world does change um, with each decade. Mm. And you, it's just because you have more experience and you probably have some, something like, you know, this was podcasting was probably really hard for you in the beginning. And now like you pretty much 
you know how to work the equipment and you know how to make it happen. All of life is kind of like that. And so I just um, got to learn how to work my equipment. <laughs> got to learn how to yeah, work my emotional equipment. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but it's hard to chill, you know, easier said than done. I'd imagine. Uh, and you know, the, so here's something I hear about from friends of mine or, you know, you read about, and I didn't know if this played a role in you thinking your voice was a, a part of you being single, but the whole, how there are some gay men who don't want to date a feminine man or mask. You were asking God, like the guys on the beach, like why, why in the, the porn, like, why are they all sounding like, you know? Yeah, and yeah, well, um, that was something also that a lot of people didn't know, I think about, about the gay community is there, there is sexism in the gay male community um, uh, that we impose on ourselves, just like there's sexism in the, you know, the wider world. Um, so there is this kind of fear on, the, you know, some men do have a fear of being effeminate or being seen as effeminate um, or, uh, you know, not wanting a sexual partner um, who's too effeminate. Um, you know, I think in general, um, that's not the case, mm-hmm. but there, but that pressure is there, I think, especially in the single meat market, yeah. you know, scenarios. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of shaming for, for some people who are effeminate or, you know, like I came out of the closet to be free and be myself. And now here are people in my own community, um, shaming me for being effeminate. And I think it's very, um, just like kind of sexism is very like, so woven into the fabric of mainstream life that you don't see it. Uh, it's the same true, the same is true of gay life. So whatever, you know, you call a woman a bitch, you know, or you call a man who's being weak, a bitch, like, and everybody does it, men and women. Like, so that kind of sexism is just, we, we deal with that too. And I think on a casual level in, you know, in the gay community where we kind of reinforce that feminine is bad. Masculine is good. Um, but on the, you know, of course, there's lots of effeminate men who are very fearless and, and are being themselves and have partners who are, you know, more or less masculine. So it's more that it's kind of like a little bit, I don't know, it's like a little bit of a, a little bit of a poison we could still get out of our systems. Mm. That sounded weird, <laughs> but I was trying to think, put it in perspective. Do you, did, do you get like that when you're dating or did you have a period of time where you didn't want to date femme dudes? I, you know, that was never a huge issue for me. I mean, I think Dan Savage says this, um, that sometimes a, an effeminate guy is really attractive because it takes such balls to, to be effeminate. Or as Dan would say tubes, even tubes? He's, a, he's a big fan of saying okay. the tubes. Interesting. He says balls are weak cause they're dangly uh-huh, and easily right. damaged. Yeah. He says tubes are like stronger, right. like fallopian okay. tubes. I mean, right. Oh, that's good. I mean, yeah. Cause like why is strong manly? I mean, this is exactly yeah. the kind of thing where it's just like, this is how we talk, but it, it just takes a lot of guts. Let's put it that way to be effeminate, to break rules. And it can, it can be a turn on. And Dan says this a lot. And Dan's boyfriend, Terry, is a you know feminine. I mean, he's also super, super hot. <laughs> um, so, but like for Dan, the two of those things together are hotter than if, you know, I think Terry were like this kind of butch dude, you know? Um, so it can be a turn on like an effeminate guy who you also hit it off with. Um, but I, I have caught myself on occasion being like that. He's just too much of a queen. Yeah. But I think that tends to be more when you sense that somebody is putting on an act uh, that they haven't really reconciled like how to be themselves with with their gender and i mean that happens 
no matter what your sexual and do you think that is. kid that was he was in ohio right yeah you think that's what that kid might be doing because he was like 16 i think when you talk to him and you know he he seemed to be really into like putting on this queen persona be like love me or hate me like uh, this is this is me yeah uh, you know that's you a know. great question and in, in the movie there is this this uh teenager zach and he is very effeminate but he's very defiant you yeah. know and at the same time his mother is you know privately says to me you know i you know he puts on this show but i see the pain you know and uh i mean i think when you're that age everything you do is a little bit of an act you know because you're finding you're finding yourself yeah. um and i think he's developing into who he is um and uh it sort of remains to be seen you know where he'll hmm. he'll end up so uh so what's your what's your type then do you have a type at this point or is it <laughs> i um i try you know every guy i've dated is completely different than the prior guy okay. um except that um a number of them have not been american uh or american like you know hybrids of like foreign countries and little, little exotic yeah um but there's no it'd be hard to find a consistent type i mean yeah anyway i don't want to out anyone <laughs> That's all right. um but i mean for me i'm you know it's a cliche but it's like you know anyone you really hit it off with that you you're like wow i could talk to this dude forever and maybe not get bored um and it's kind of that self-generating sense of you know or being together you know what i'm talking about a little bit yeah um i mean not Anyway, there's just some people you really hit it off with. Uh, that's my type. All right. Often they have boyfriends. That's oh, <laughs> shucks. That's also, you know, maybe try to get it done before 36. Uh, <laughs> do, do you find with doing, so doing the documentary post-breakup, part of it seems to be coming into like accepting you your own voice, yeah. literally. Yeah. Uh, and part of it just coming out of the breakup. So did you find that it was either you, at the end of making the movie, did you find yourself more confident or did you find yourself more put, it was a it was a good way to soothe the breakup? Mm, that's a great question. Nobody has asked me that mm. after many, many interviews. Because it could be too, it could be either thing. It could right. be either finding this confidence or maybe it was just a the project as a way to get over yeah. uh, that guy. Well, I think it was both. I mean, I think the breakup undermined my confidence. So I had to like kind of drill down and be like, well where should my confidence come from? Mm -hmm. You know, like, why am I, why am I confident and accepting and proud of who I am in theory? And, um, so, you know, what ends up happening in the film, I don't want to give it all away, but sure, uh, sure. it's not like, a, it's not really a murder mystery. Or yeah, I mean, like um, you do still sound this way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's more that I end up, uh, reconnecting to my voice that my whole life I've seen my voice as a liability and something to be ashamed of. And that mm. potentially makes me vulnerable. And in the process of learning everything I learn about the voice, uh, and about how people see me, uh, I kind of have this breakthrough where I'm like, it's uh, like, there's nothing wrong with my voice. Like it's a part of me just like, you know, my eyes are a part of me or my legs and it's, it's just, it's integral to who I am. And so the, my process was about sort of like, stop you know reconnecting um and that was a big breakthrough for me because i you know the voice is just a symbol it was a symbol of uh my shame about being gay and i think um you know i needed but it was like a, a symbol that had a lot of literal implications uh and so so it kind of worked on two levels okay 
Um, do so you have all the speech coaches and whatnot in the movie. Do you find that? Do you think that's harmful? Almost having people who have the specifically like, I'll help you not sound gay. Do you think that's a harmful thing to have out there? Well, um, you know, both those. One was a, a speech. They're both sort of voice coaches. One is also yeah. a speech therapist. One seemed more like for actor type, the dude right. out and, and yeah. They both were, you know, these they they were both great people. Um, and you know, in the film, they do both say that they've had people come to them to sort of learn how to sound straighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will come to them for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's like you're an actor, and when you walk into the room and you sound gay, people don't want to cast you in roles that aren't gay. Um, sometimes people are like uh corporate leaders and you know being a little swishy just isn't the image that their business wants them to convey so and then sometimes they're just regular guys who are like i want to be more masculine and they could be straight gay whatever um but it's a small part of what these speech therapists do and they never pressure anybody they don't they don't advertise like hey i'll make you sound straight mm. um and usually people come to them because they're unhappy with something about themselves. Um, and they just, they think this might be a solution. So, um, you know, in some cases, both of those uh, voice coaches told me that, uh, people would, you know, they would come, they would sort of learn a more standard way of speaking, which is, uh, kind of the way they frame it. And then they would say, you know, this is too much work. It's not who I am, but Mm -hmm. sometimes you kind of have to make a wrong turn to get on the right path. And, you're not you're not going to convince yourself um, otherwise until you kind of go the wrong way, and I think that was a little bit my experience. Like I I really thought that by changing my voice, like I might change my life, and I did, but just not in the way that I thought it would. Yeah. Um, it was it was more that reconnecting than changing. Yeah, it's funny. I just thought of it now. Totally. I mean, it's related, but it's, there was the documentary Unhung Hero. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see that? Of course. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm, uh, I think I'm talking to him whenever I, I get out to LA and the whole time he's trying to like figure out like, how can I make my, can I make my dick bigger? How can I? And then by the end of it, he's like, eh, no, I got a tiny dick and I'm cool with it. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you kind of know that movies like this are going to end up in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there, you know, that's a journey of self-acceptance that even if you don't have a small dick, you know, you can understand like you, like you're looking at this guy and you're like, whatever, like we, you know, okay. So you're not. John Holmes. He's probably great at oral. It's good. <laughs> right. Or like, you know, I mean, maybe exactly. I mean, there's lots of ways to have a good time, but also it's just like, it's like one part of who he is, you know? And, um, I think especially when you're younger, um, you know, it's like, it's harder to sort of accept sort of, you know, you're trying harder to be what you're supposed to be versus kind of who you are. Right. Uh, was there anything you slipped in the movie where, there, you knew, like, you know what, straight audiences, they don't know about this, and I kind of want them to uh, pass the this this voice thing. Mm-hmm. Was there anything like that you slipped in? Because you knew, like, they kind of should know about this. I mean, in a way, the whole movie was, I was like, straight people should yeah. know about this. Meaning, I feel like we all know that there's that voice. We all, yeah. you know. But it was the implications of the voice that I think a lot of people don't know about. And, uh, for example, in the film, I talk a lot about um, Disney villains like Ala- uh, Jafar mm-hmm. from Aladdin. I had no idea Hook was gay. You totally uh, outed him right, to me. Right, right. See, there <laughs> you go. There's you totally an, changed my thought on it. There's an example of straight, something a straight person didn't know. But, you know, um, Scar in The Lion King, um, 
Captain Hook is one of the earliest ones from Peter Pan. Um, you know, there has there's this long tradition of uh, gay villains in Disney and other animated films. And uh, one, you know, most people are like, wow, I never thought of it. But now that I see it, like, yeah, I mean, when you see them one after another, you're like, oh, God, it's so obvious. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's yet another thing that we learn as adults that Disney was fucked up back then, <laughs> when we were younger. Yeah, I mean, Disney ref- <laughs> reflects the society as a part of. Um, and now Disney does different stuff for the most part. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that I think I was trying to show like, uh, how it is to be gay on a daily basis and how that could be hard and it could be, um, shameful. Um, not just like, you don't just come out and be like, okay, I'm so happy. I'm so proud. You see me in the parade, like waving my flag that actually there's this like ongoing process of coming to terms with who you are. There's the other 51 weeks besides that one week. Yeah, exactly. And that, that process of coming to terms with who you are is something that everybody can identify with and is a struggle. Um, and I would be lying if I said like, Oh my God, I'm just, I'm so proud and happy about being gay. It's so, I mean, yes, I totally accept myself and, nothing bothers me, you know, it's just, that's sort of not, it's, uh, that's not really how I think it works. So, so you've been, you've been a writer, uh, talking about gay issues. You've made this film, like what's next for you these days? I know the, the movie still got plenty of attention. If I, every time I search on Twitter, it's always very fresh tweets of people talking about it. Oh, good. You know, good. What are you searching on Twitter? (laughs) Oh, so when I just, well, it's always it's always researching like what was the Twitter handle, uh, um, oh. but no. If I search, you know, do, do I, I sound say, gay yeah. in the search bar? Just it pops up Got all the it. tweets of where people say, "Do I sound gay?" It's, yeah, yeah. Most of the people talking about the doc and one very self conscious person. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I didn't put in the movie was like how many people on Twitter like would be tweeting to each other, "Man, you sound gay." No, he doesn't sound gay yeah. like that. Um, there was a lot of homophobic tweeting around there. So it's nice sure. to have like other, do I sound gay Twitter presences? Um, yeah, I, this is all me avoiding telling you what's next. Uh, 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 no. I can't say. No, I'm, um, I'm researching some other stuff that I'm excited about and it has to do with voice, voice. Um, as well. Like the way that voice relates to identity. Um, and, um, in, yeah, so, Nothing concrete, but I'm excited to keep going in this band. Can you say if it's uh, if it's uh, what medium it is? Oh, uh, you mean film? Wait, if it's a movie, if it's a book, if it's oh, a... yeah, I don't know. Like yeah. I'm trying to. That's one of those things where it's like you need to figure out what's going on first um, before you commit to to how you're going to do it. Um, and you know, honestly, these days, very few things merit like a feature length film like you really need a kick-ass idea to raise money uh generally speaking especially for a documentary (laughs) did you did you have to raise money in like did you do crowdfunding or did you go traditional like raising money uh with like a production company i did both i had uh like how you know sort of half from private uh from like a film investment group Mm -hmm. um uh and then half kind of from crowdfunding okay Um, but you know it still wasn't easy um and it's definitely please support your your uh, independent documentary filmmaking friends that's why i keep telling them you gotta support those independent and content creators yeah pod, guys on podcasts yeah no i mean it's you do it for the love do it for the love but yeah. it's like also, you know the mics aren't cheap <laughs> no, they definitely are 
That's cool, man. It's, it's got to be fun trying to learn about a thing that you may not have known much about until making the movie, which is all the linguistics and the sound stuff. So, yeah, I love like that. I was totally switching I, it up. Yeah, I think I wouldn't have made the movie if I hadn't really been like turned on by learning all that linguistic stuff, learning that cultural history. Like, you know, you need to, um, it's a, so much work, so much blood, sweat, and tears that uh, it really has to, whatever you're working on has to really light a fire. Yeah. Well, uh, well, so people, uh, so where can people find you on the internet, on the interwebs or other than do I sound gay? It's on Netflix. Is it on any of the other? Yeah, streamers? it's on like pretty much every platform. Um, it's only on Netflix for streaming. Okay. Um, so, you know, just look for do I sound gay or David Thorpe. Yep. Um, but, uh, you can buy it on iTunes. You can buy it on Amazon. I think you can pay to rent it. If you go, um, if you just type in, do I sound gay, uh, my website will come up and then the the distributor's website also comes up. So, um, you know, it should be really easy yeah. to find whatever your preferred provider mm-hmm. is. Yeah. So check out, check out the documentary on, uh, on the interwebs. David, thanks for coming on out to Bushwick and, and chatting with me. Man. My pleasure. Thanks yeah, for having me. Fun. Very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. So glad David could, uh, Make the time to come on out to Bushwick and have a chit-chat with me. Make sure you go watch the documentary, people. Do I Sound Gay? On Netflix, on iTunes, wherever you can find it. Go check it out. And let me know what you thought about the, the conversation. Give me a shout-out on Twitter at TheBillyPresita. Use the hashtag ManWhorePodcast. Let me know what you thought about the show. Go ahead and include David at Do I Sound Gay? Maybe you have a follow-up question for him. Or a reaction for me. And if you want to say something a little more privately, or maybe you don't have Twitter, shoot me an email, manwhorepod at gmail.com. You can uh, send me your comments, your questions, your booby pictures, you know, whatever you want uh, to that email address. And if you got like, I don't know, a minute, minute and a half, do give the Manwhore Podcast a review on iTunes. Even if you don't really use iTunes to listen to this show, you can still log in to iTunes and leave a review or leave a rating. It means a lot to me. It helps other people find the show. It lets them know it's worth listening to. Think about that last restaurant you went to, right? You yelped it first, huh? Well, that's what people sometimes do with the reviews. They check it out. They say, what do other people think? Well, let them know what you think. And if you think that the show is worth it, which if you're listening to me every week, I I like to think you do, Go ahead and pledge your support to the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. Show the world that conversations about sexuality are important by making your donation today. To do so, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. And as usual, I'm here every week, and I'm very excited. Next week, guys, ladies, people, episode 100. Holy shit. A hundred consecutive weeks of podcasting. I cannot wait I'll see y'all next week to celebrate. Until then, stay slutty.